Appreciate this morning the way you've joined in our song service. It's a beautiful day outside today, and it's even better inside as we get to assemble and worship our God. And we are so thankful that you're here this morning, and we are especially uh, rejoicing with those who are visiting with us. We have several here this morning who are our guests, and we want to thank you for being here with us today. I would really encourage you as our guest to stay for our Lunch Bunch 6 meal following our services today. Uh, we plan this just for you as visitors uh, and for our widows and widowers. We want you to stay and eat with us, and that will give us a chance to get to know you better. Uh, Brother Roy Everidge is back with us today. He was here last Sunday as well. We're glad that he's able to be back with us. Also, we have a a couple of our babies, our newborns that are here with us. We're glad that uh, Lindsay and Brody are here today, and they were here last Sunday too, but we're glad they're able to be with us. And also we are glad to have little Harper with us for the first time today, uh, Harper Wilson. And uh, we're glad that uh, he's here today. And of course, uh, you know, when you've got a, a mother and her newborn here we always need to try to be respectful we need to kind of as the mom used to tell the boy when you go into the store where there's breakable items you know put your hand behind your back and admire from afar or admire kind of close up but just don't touch and uh, of course that'll make mom feel better about things as well but we're so glad that they're here and uh, I know uh, Harper's grandparents are here today also uh, good to see Kathy here. Kathy Mong is here with us today, and uh, certainly it's good to see her, and uh, we want to continue to remember her and the progress of Emily and our prayers, and hopefully things will continue to progress with that situation in a very positive way. Bill mentioned in the announcements about the new quarter that begins next Sunday, and you'll find uh, these uh, sheets identifying each of these classes uh, in each of our foyers. John does a magnificent job uh, getting these kinds of things together. And I look at this and I, I wonder to myself, why would anybody not want to be at a Bible class at 9 o'clock on Sunday? It's hard for me to understand. If you are concerned about uh, your soul, if you're concerned about spiritual things at all, you need to be in Bible class on Sunday. And there's an excellent list of topics and speakers for you to take advantage of. And one thing maybe we don't emphasize is that uh, the auditorium classes, uh, Wednesday night taught by Melvin Ote and Sunday morning going to be taught by John Cackleman as well as all the previous classes, uh, these are available uh, audio and podcast as well. Uh, you can listen to those if you're in another class if you would like to. So I hope and I encourage you to take advantage of that. Hope you'll come back tonight at 5 o'clock and, and be with us then. This morning I want us to talk about what I consider is a somewhat familiar verse in the Bible. It's a verse that I believe contains one of the most pointed questions that the human mind could ever contemplate. And that is the verse we find in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 26 where our Lord said, For what is a man profited if he gained the whole world 
and lose his own soul? Or what shall a a man give in exchange for his souls? I don't know how many of you are taking interest in the presidential debates and the election that is coming up, but surely most of us are. We are concerned about our nation's future, and if you listen to these debates in any kind of form, you'll see the issues that people are talking about. We hear a lot today about immigration. We hear a lot about national security. We are certainly hearing a lot about the economy and jobs. We hear a lot about terrorism. We hear a lot about the military and what are we going to do about building the military up. And there's just a wide variety of topics along those lines that that we're hearing people talk about. Things that seemingly are important to Americans. Closer to home, though, we think about all the many pressing obligations that we have around us. All the things that we feel every single day, how we have to provide for our families. We today, we're concerned about planning for the future. We think about the obligations that we have to fulfill on our jobs. We think about our young people today, and it seems like today, young people have more and more pressure placed upon them at even a younger age to do well academically. It just seems like from the time an infant comes home from the hospital, we've got to prepare that individual for college. And we're constantly uh, consumed by things that we have to, to take care of. It just seems like today with all of our busy schedules, Particularly if you have children and, you know, they have obligations and they have athletic events. It just seems like there's not enough hours in the day to get everything done that needs to be accomplished. But I believe in view of all this that we need to stop and think about what our Lord asked here. You know, when you think about all these issues that we are hearing about, in these political debates. You think about all the problems that we face as families today, the pressures that we feel in our lives, almost none of these have any spiritual focus whatsoever. All these things seemingly are focused on the temporary, the here and the now. When what we need to be thinking about is this wonderful, great question our Lord asks, what is a man profited if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I believe and I'm convinced that there's at least two important thoughts and ideas implied in this question. One is that those who are out trying to gain the world and the things of this world and focusing on material things are many times unwilling to give those things up that their soul might be saved. You know, immediately 
it comes to mind when I think about gaining the world, I can't help but think about Donald Trump. That's the first person that comes to mind. Here's a person that's a, a billionaire. He has multiplied businesses and, and, and real estate, and now there's a possibility he could be the most powerful man in the world. If that's not the possibility of gaining the world, I don't know what it would be. But would that man be willing to give those things up that he might save his own soul? And people generally will not give those things up. I think the Lord is also saying here in this particular question that, you know, once the soul of man is lost, there is simply no way that that soul can be redeemed when this life is over. And I just believe that by and large, folks, we have become too materialistic, too concerned about material things. And I'm vitally concerned about doctrinal threats to the Lord's church today. I think these are very real. We live in a secularized society. We live in a world that emphasizes political correctness, and that certainly affects us as a church today to give in, to try not to to be so focused on doing things like the Lord said to do it. There's that pressure that's placed upon us to compromise. It's a real threat. But I think that even a greater threat than doctrinal matters and issues is the materialism and the materialistic uh, ideal that is many times placed upon us in the Lord's church today. We are so focused on the here and the now, money and material things and possessions that we lose sight of those things that are spiritual in nature. But I think we need to stop today and we need to consider this very important question. We need to think about what our Lord is really asking here. What is it going to profit a man if he gains the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, first of all this morning, I think we need to consider the soul of man. We need to realize that the soul of man is very, very important. Now, over in uh, John chapter 4 and verse 24, the Bible says God is a spirit. And yet we go back in the very beginning in Genesis 1 and verse 26. And the Bible tells us that man was made in the image of God. And so since God is a spirit and we are created in his image, we need to realize that we also are a spiritual being that will live eternally. And we need to understand that we possess a spirit, a soul that will live eternally, a soul that can be saved or a soul that can be lost. Now, I want us to think about this concept of the soul for just a minute. We've heard it said in the past, and it's true, that you do not have a soul. And that's true. You don't have a soul. You are a 
soul. And you have a body. I know when I was growing up as a small child attending Bible classes at church, you know, teachers would often talk about your soul and always had in my mind, and I had actually a little shapely type figure of what a soul might look at in my childish mind. And in my mind, this soul was something that was mine. Didn't know really much about it. Didn't really know exactly what it was, but... I knew that whatever this soul was, it was eternal and it was going to live forever in heaven or hell. But that's what my childish concept of my soul was. Something that I own, something in addition to me. But that's not true at all, is it? I am a soul. When we talk about the soul of man, it's personal. We're talking about who we are and what we are. You do not have a soul. You are a soul and you just happen to have a body. And we need to understand today that that who we are right now is going to live forever. And we ought to stop and think about the value of the soul that we have. We ought to realize, for example, that the soul, who we are, is a far greater value than our entire body. In fact, the Bible says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1, we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, this body We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. In fact, our Lord said very clearly that our soul is more important than any member of our physical body. For example, in Matthew 5 and verse 29, Jesus talked about how if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. If your right hand offends you, cut it off. It's better that a member of your body perish than your whole body, your soul, be cast in hell. Our soul is more valuable. Who we are is more valuable than this physical body. It's more valuable than any member of our body. And we need to realize that who we are... Our soul is that which can never pass away. Our soul will never be destroyed. It will always exist. It is immortal. As the Lord said in Luke 20 and verse 36, neither can they die anymore. We attend funerals of loved ones. We see their physical bodies. We understand as Christians that that physical body is going to return to the dust from where it came. But who that person is, is going to continue to live on forever. Now we know man today can destroy many things. Man can produce nuclear weapons that can wipe out literally millions of people. It can destroy nations. But there's absolutely no weapon that man can ever develop that can destroy 
the soul of man. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 10 and verse 28, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him who's able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And as we think about our soul, who we are, we must understand that we're going to live eternally in one of two places. In Matthew 25 and verse 46, the Bible says, These shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. We're going to exist forever, either in heaven or hell. You see, that's why our Lord asked this question. You know, what's it going to profit a man if he gained the whole world and let, yet lose his own soul? As we think about our soul, we need to realize that, that we have the ability to do many, many things. For example, we have the ability to think, Proverbs 23 and verse 7. We have the ability and the power to reason, Mark 2 and verse 8. We can purpose and determine to do certain things. According to Romans 6 and verse 17, we have the power to yield ourselves as servants to sin or else servants to righteousness. We have the power and the ability to imagine Genesis 8 and verse 21. We need to realize that our soul, who we are, is worth so much that Jesus Christ gave his life on Calvary's cross for you and for me. So the next time you kind of feel like you're not worth very much, the next time you have that inclination that you're not too valuable, you need to realize that you are worth so much, you as an individual, that Jesus Christ gave himself for you. 1 Peter 1 and verse 18 talks about how we've not been redeemed by corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. And then think about the value of your soul, the value of who you are. We need to understand that the soul of man simply cannot be replaced. Now, all of us, I believe, we have insurance on our homes, on our automobiles, if you don't, there's some folks here you probably could see to take care of that sometime this week. And we hear that three-word term, full replacement value. What are they saying when they say full replacement value? Well, they're saying if your home is destroyed, we'll put it back just like it was. You're going to get the full replacement value value. We like that. We like to have that kind of insurance on the physical things that we own. But folks, there's some things that can't be replaced. And one of those is the soul that we have. The soul of man is that which can never be replaced. That's why we need to make sure that we do everything within our power and ability to make for certain that we're saved 
when this life is over. That's all that really matters. So let's ask the question, how much value do we place on our soul today? Just how valuable is your soul today? If I were to ask everyone today, how important is your soul? How important is who you really are? I think you would say that my soul is priceless. My soul is worth more than anything. But consider this, you know, based upon our actions, based upon the kind of decisions that we make, based upon how we live our lives each day, the influence that we exert, the amount of interest that we have in the Lord's kingdom, the amount of work that we do for the Lord and to try to build up his kingdom. Based upon your actions, just how valuable is your soul? Could it be true sometimes that maybe we live the kind of lives that actually demonstrate that we don't think that our soul really is of great value? You know, if you have something valuable that's placed into your care, you're concerned about that. If there's something very valuable in a physical sense that is placed in your care, you are concerned about keeping that secure. But the question for us today, what are we doing to show that we care for the most priceless possession we have? And that is our own soul. And parents, think about the precious children that God has blessed you with. Parents, ask yourself, how much is the soul of my child really worth? I know you would give your life for your children. I would in a heartbeat. I've made that clear. I wouldn't even have to think about it. I wouldn't have to go into another room and You know, just give me about five minutes to think about whether I want to die for one of my children. I could do that without batting an eye. Now, that's how much we love our children. But how valuable is the soul of your child? You say, well, the souls of my children are priceless. They're worth my time, they're worth my effort, they're worth my interest, my money, they're worth everything. But what is the soul of that child that you're raising ultimately going to be worth if that child gains everything in this world that's possible? Oh, they're deemed a great success from the world standpoint, and yet they lose their own soul. What are we as parents today doing to provide for our children's souls? What are we doing to make sure that their eternal destiny is secure? You see, folks, we need to realize that our soul, who we are and what we are, is the most valuable things the most valuable thing that we possess. 
But then let's think about in the next place quickly. Let's talk about the world. We've talked about the soul. Let's think about the world for just a moment. You know, the Bible says about the world in 1 John 2 and verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the world. It's not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he who does the will of God abides forever. What's the Lord saying here? He's saying the world does not endure. And John says here that in this world, there is the lust of the flesh. Over in Luke 8 and verse 14, the Bible talks about how the pleasures of this world choke out the word. We think about fulfilling our lustful desires. And just look what's going on in our world today. People are doing anything they want to do. Illicit sexual relationships in our culture, in our society are just simply no longer that big of a deal. You know, the idea basically is to party hardy and have a good time and it feels good. You know, just do it. Do what your soul desires and, you know, live for today because tomorrow you die. And we see that mentality all around us. That's the world. That's the lust of the flesh. No self-control. No self-discipline. If it feels good, do it. But also in the world, John says, there is the pride or the lust of the eyes. And of course, that no doubt applies to the material things in life. And yet Solomon, who had everything, warned us that he who loves silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 10. Money and possessions and things can never bring satisfaction. Paul said, they that will be rich fall into a temptation and a snare and to many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money is the root of all evil. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 10 that those who covet after those things will pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Simply will not bring satisfaction. But also in this world, there is the pride of life. There's the glory of life, the vain glory of life, honor and prestige. But, you know, no matter how much power that you may have, no matter how much honor and prestige the world may bestow upon you, that can never bring true fulfillment to our lives. Because you see, there's always going to be somebody that has something more than you. You know, back in history, we read about Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great had a brilliant military mind. He conquered the world, and yet 
He wept because there was nothing else left to conquer. Had the whole world at his fingertips, and yet it didn't bring satisfaction. He still wanted more. And this world, folks, is something that cannot and will not fulfill our longings and desires. How we need to learn the lesson from Solomon. A wise man, the wisest mere man that ever lived, and he tried wealth and power. He tried wisdom and women, worldly ambition. He tried everything. He finally came to the conclusion, all is vanity, vexation of the spirit. He said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13. And yet, I'm afraid oftentimes we place too much emphasis on the things of this world. Yet our Lord said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We need to understand today that everything we see round about us is temporary. One day it's going to be destroyed. In fact, Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10 that the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works therein shall be burned up. There's no way we can take anything with us when we die. We brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we shall carry nothing out. But then quickly, as we close today, I want us to think about this question in the sense of what if it were possible? What if we even could gain the whole world. That'd be something, wouldn't it? I wonder what would be the percentage of people alive today that would love to gain the whole world, even at the expense of losing their own soul. But even if it were possible to gain the world, even if you put your entire life and your energies and everything you had into possessing this world, if you really did gain the world, if that were possible, you would ultimately lose your own soul because you would leave God out of your life. You remember that rich man who fared sumptuously every day? The Bible says... In eternity, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. Here was a man that was eternally separated from the righteous and even from God in paradise. You see, everything this man might have achieved in this life, no matter how great it was, was now useless and worthless. You see, the greatest loss, the greatest tragedy that can possibly be imagined is for one to be lost eternally because you see your soul the soul of your child my soul when you go out and leave here today and you go where you're going to go maybe you go to a restaurant 
or tomorrow when you go to school and maybe you go to your job, every person that you encounter is a soul. And we need to understand that every soul, whether they're homeless or whether they're one of the highest officials in the world today, every soul is worth more than all this world. And yet the greatest accomplishment in life, the greatest thing that that we can give for ourselves and for our children is for us to do those things that would cause us to be blessed with eternal life when this life is over. You see, all of us have a choice in this matter. And we need to think about what that choice is going to be. And that's why this morning I would like to ask you to just consider these choices that have been set before us. It's our choice whether or not to save our soul. It's also our choice as to whether we're going to place our soul in eternal jeopardy by refusing to do those things that God would have us to do. You see, the destiny of your soul and my soul is a choice that we make. And yet God's word implores us in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. That's why today, if your soul is in jeopardy, maybe as a child of God, you have gotten away from the Lord, you've lost focus, you can come back today and Confess those sins, repent of them. We can go to God in prayer and you can be forgiven. Or if you're outside the body of Christ, not a Christian, not having any hope in this world, you can come today believing in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And in that belief, you can change your life in repentance and you can be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins based upon the confession of your faith in him. You can know the joy of salvation. But the choice is yours. While together we